What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt here with Mike K for the latest episode of the No Huddle Show. I'm back in New Jersey after close to a week in Arizona. I already miss it. It was beautiful out there, and I'm just saying all of this to make Mike even more and more jealous because I know he was. It's very... working because <laughs> he he lived in Arizona for a little while. I lived in Arizona for a long while. You guys might hear my dog eating in the background because she always waits until the podcast to start doing it. Classic Maggie. Uh, but but yeah, back from Arizona. One of the it's funny. I mean, everybody knows what we're going to end up talking about in this podcast, but one of the biggest discussions out there was, of course, about running back and what the Eagles were or weren't doing there. And we heard both Doug and Howie emphasize, you know, the last two years, all the guys we added came after the draft. Like, they said that multiple times to the point where, like, all right, well, they're going to do that again, which obviously was a misdirection of some sort because I'm guessing Howie Roseman was negotiating with the Chicago Bears while we were out there. They acquired Jordan Howard. I mean, did... I don't know, did you expect them to, to do a move before the draft? Because it kind of felt like they weren't going to at a certain point. I expected them to make a trade. I didn't think they were going to make a signing. I had proposed a deal. You can read about it on nj.com slash eagles. Uh, <laughs> of them maybe dealing Rasul Douglas to the Browns to get Emmanuel Agba, who in my... Not a running back. Not a running back. A defensive <laughs> end, a priority position. Quote, unquote, for the Eagles. Um... <laughs> You know, at some point it felt like it made sense, I guess, to trade for a running back. They did miss out on Tevin Coleman because the price was too high, even though his price was less than $10 million over three years. Well, it's actually eight and a half, and I think he technically is only making like a million more than Jordan Howard this year, actually. Right, so um, the guy who replaced him at Indiana, by the way. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Um, Yeah, it's very weird. Nate Sudfeld was his quarterback at Indiana. Oh, man. Small small football world. Yeah, um, so anyway, now that we've played that Six Degrees... Uh, <laughs> six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Oh. You know, I think I think running back was a need that they had, and they have done a boatload of research. I just con- concluded my pro day tour, and the Eagles were at pretty much every running back heavy uh, pro day. Deuce that was at, to- what, two of them? Deuce was at uh, Temple. Temple for Reichwell Armstead, and then Mike Rowe oh, couldn't, Mike Rowe couldn't keep State. his eyes off Miles Sanders at Penn State. So... And I know for a fact that they have been on top of Miles Sanders this entire process. So, again, it's a little bit weird because it felt like they didn't need to make this move now. But maybe they did. Who knows? Maybe they felt like if he got released, he'd be more... He could sign anywhere as opposed to coming. Right. Or would want a bigger salary. Um, so, you know, you get him. He, I think he's supposed to... His base salary is 2.0... Yeah. 2.025, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's pretty cheap for a starting running back. I'm not convinced he's the guy. Uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But he is the guy that makes their need entering the draft not that big. Yeah, so let's say the trade was uh, Eagles get Jordan Howard and they give up a conditional sixth-round pick. We don't really know the stipulations, but if he meets whatever they are, it could turn into a fifth-round pick next year. So they basically didn't give up. Like I said, my dog's eating right now. I don't know if you guys might be able to hear it. I don't know. She literally waits until we do the podcast every every time. Uh, but So they basically didn't trade a pick this year, and they get a running back who will be a free agent this offseason. So technically they could wind up getting a comp pick for him. I don't actually see that happening because if they let him go, that means he wasn't that good. And if he wasn't that good, he's not getting more than a seventh-round comp pick anyway. So... This was a low-risk, high-reward type trade. 
if he becomes the player that he was as a rookie, then it was a home run. If he becomes the player he was last year, then you move on again next year like they do every year with running backs. Yeah, I think this is... I think this was a classic Howie move. Right, I think a lot, they, we got a lot of... Uh, there was a lot of blowback from other you media. You got a lot of blowback. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, no, I'm not talking about that. But oh, okay. <laughs> there was a lot of blowback from some media yeah. that, you know, the whole they don't value the running back thing was kind of a myth. I don't know, bro. It's like, not a myth. Trading trading a, a 2026 round pick <laughs> for a running back that was a Pro Bowler two years ago sounds like they devalue the running back position. On top of that, they're able to do this because of the compensatory picks. They are basically getting an advance loan on their compensatory picks. Yeah, so they know they're getting all these picks. Right. Year, yeah. So if you project that you're going to get a third, a fourth, and a fifth round pick for Nick Foles, uh, Golden Tate, and Jordan Hicks, you can say, okay, we're destined to get this fifth round pick. Maybe it's a sixth round pick. We'll see what happens. We can now dish out that fifth round pick in advance. I mean, yeah, it's going to be our original fifth round pick, but we're getting a fifth round pick for free anyway. So you're basically trading free assets in advance. I know that's kind of like a weird Matrix-style thought but process. That's how he thinks, though, yeah. Right, and so I think it's kind of brilliant, and I think it gives them a lot of flexibility entering this draft, especially when you look up at the potential to trade up in the draft. Yeah. Because if you want, if you want to get a third-round pick, per se... Let's just say you you want that third round pick that you lost from Golden Tate trade, right? And a 2020 third round pick helps you get up into that range. So you trade a 2020 third round pick and your last of your two fourth round picks, yeah, because they have two fourths, right, to get into the third round. Then look, you've helped yourself in advance. They talked about you know you guys spoke with Howie in Arizona and Howie said you know we want to get young players on this team. He didn't specify that it's just young players in a year. It can be young players now, and I think that they're coming at it with the right approach. And now they don't have really that many clear needs. I mean, Je- Jeffrey Lurie even said he he can see them bringing in as many as 20 rookies over the next two years. And I think he included, like, high-priority undrafted guys. So you have the seven draft picks they already have. They added the New England Patriots. I mean, they lost a seventh-round pick in that trade, but they gained a fifth, traded a sixth. So th- they could have anywhere from eight to 11 draft picks mm-hmm. next year minimum if they don't make any other trades. What's knowing how he'll do something. Um, so you have all those. You have the picks they have this year. They're they're usually they usually find a good player or two on the undrafted free agent market. They need it. They're one of the I don't think they're one of the older rosters, but they're at least in the middle of the pack in terms of their average age. A lot there's been a lot of talk recently about how they don't have any like elite young talent. You could there are people who say Avante Maddox's name. He hasn't proven he's elite yet. He has the potential to get there. You, you can't say for sure that he is there yet. So you have Carson Wentz as the only one really you could argue is a young elite talent on this team. Yeah, if I really think about it, uh, I mean, there, that's the, all, all the, there are guys that have the potential to be there. I mean, Fletcher Cox is still pretty young. I mean, he's like been in the league like six or seven years. I think Derek being, Barnett's going to develop into something. Yeah, you're, you're saying you think he's going to, I but think, they, yeah. they have nothing that is there yet. Is the point? So they, they need. I mean, him. what do you consider young? So what, like, like what, in the what's, first like three years of your career? Oh, okay. So you're saying like rookie deal guys? Yeah, um, rookie deal guys. Yeah, that's fair. I think they that. haven't done a great job drafting. In reality, uh, like if you look at. The overall, I mean, there's a lot of role players. The point being, they need to fill out the roster of young players, especially since cap is going to be tight next year. It sounds like they're going to extend Wentz sooner than we maybe thought, just the way the way they brought it up out of nowhere. It was, yeah, it was Howie at our press conference with him in January was like, 
deflecting those questions wasn't talking about them. This time they were like opening like we want to build around our franchise court. Like there's clearly something brewing. Right. Yeah. And and even if it isn't brewing this year, you you can move you can carry over that cap space for exactly. next year. And they have like twenty something right now. So there's clearly a plan. Yeah. Um, Wait, they have a plan? <laughs> yeah. Go figure. Right. Um, uh, something else that Lori brought up that I thought was interesting. It's the Ron Wolf. Uh, way of drafting it's you draft a quarterback every year every other year and I think that that's brilliant especially when you have a guy that's proven to develop quarterbacks the way Doug Peterson has with Nick Foles and Carson Wentz and Nate Sudfeld and you know Nate Sudfeld's a restricted free agent and he could be a regular free agent next year you're not going to probably pay him a lot of money if you're going to pay Carson Wentz so this could be the year where you look in the fourth or the fifth or the sixth or the seventh round and say hey maybe there's a quarterback of Nate Sudfeld's ilk and we can maybe manufacture a backup long-term for Carson Wentz. Yes, and so let's go back to the Jordan Howard trade. Um, yeah, we got on, on a bit of a tangent No, no, there, it's right? fine because there was some good info that came out of the owners' meetings. I think it was good we talked about yeah. it. But, uh, so I guess how would you how would you grade the deal? if Because I, I, I view it as such a low-risk, high-reward type thing that you you have – I give it almost an A minus. Just overall, yeah. Know, I get, I get it, it also a lot of it also depends on like what they do from here. Like if he's the only guy they get, maybe that affects it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I like him a little more than you do, I think. But it, they still need. A, I like. I acknowledge they need another guy. They need a elusive running back to be a part of this rotation. So I did a piece on grading the running back, and I broke it up into like tiers, like what, what we're looking at. So let's first look at the compensation, right? The compensation, like we said, is basically the. Uh, equivalent of a real life half a pack of Twizzlers um, for a starting running back. I think they won the deal on paper. Pure pure compensation. Let's talk about the player now. So I'll, I'll give them an A- minus for that. The only reason why I give them an A- minus is because they, they probably... anything. <laughs> right, right. They, yeah. So when you look at the running back itself, you know, Jordan Howard has the third most rushing yards of the last three years. Um, Behind Ezekiel Elliott and Todd Gurley. Right. Which is impressive. Yeah. But he's also had major drop-offs in both his total yards and his yards per carry numbers. On top of that, his biggest drawbacks are his lack of speed. He was a 4.59 coming at 40-yard dash coming out of the combine or coming out of his pro day. He looks a lot slower than who, that. Who now. drafted him, by the way? <laughs> Who's in the Eagles front office then? Oh, yeah, that, that Joe Douglas guy, the one year. Um, the Joe Douglas family tree keeps growing. I'm just going to shake his hand and hope I can get on his scouting staff in like three years. Uh, and then, you know, his, his you know catching ability, he, he can catch at the backfield. He's just not a really dynamic receiver. It's a very similar offense to Chicago's. There's different talent, obviously. Chicago's based more on speed. The Eagles seem to favor a little bit more power run, especially because of the tight ends that they have. But just like in Chicago with Tariq Cohen, the Eagles have Corey Clement here. The Corey Clement, in my opinion, has a ton of upside. He's a really good third down back. You're not going to just move on from him or, or leave him astray or bench him. And I think that's where I'm coming from, where you said that you're a little bit more high on him than I am. He's getting dropped in basically the same situation with a little bit more talent on the outside at wide receiver. I 
I, I get all of that, and his numbers, the way his yards per carry have gone down are alarming. I, there, I think there may be some other factors. You know, you look at, they brought Tariq Cohen in a year after he had his great year, so all of a sudden, you know, he's not getting the same touches. When he's in the game, the other team knows they're running the ball. I think that's a factor. Right. Um, I think teams were tr- really trying to test Mitch Trubisky. They were lo- stacking the box. They wanted to see if he could beat them, and he did a better job of that this last year, but Tariq Cohen was clearly the lead back. Um, I view it less as, like, they're getting a bell cow and more as they're getting a rich man's version of Josh Adams. I th- Josh Adams was really bad in the short yardage situations last year, which is kind of defeats... I mean, I, I, I think you and I are higher on Josh Adams than a lot of people are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he still has talent. I think he can be a part of this rotation, even like a, you know, like they had the little Garrett Blunt and Jay Ajayi combo, maybe mm-hmm. Howard and, and, and uh, Josh Adam. Adams is like a... Sm- Similar, but maybe not as good version of that. But Howard is good at converting short, like third and fourth and short, which they did not have last season. That was right. a problem. He's a huge and so you saw Doug making some questionable play calls. You know, he was sending Josh Adams to the right. You know, uh, Darren Sproles weirdly was probably their best short yards back, and they weren't using him in that situation. Mm-hmm. So if if at the bare minimum, if all Josh Jordan Howard, they keep using the Jordan Joshes. <laughs> if Jordan Howard is purely just better as a short yardage back than what they had last year, then the trade is fine. But again, they need to add somebody else still. I like Corey Clement too. He has to prove he can stay healthy and that he hasn't degressed like maybe he looked like he did a little bit last year. He was banged up. And I think they can either sign another pass catcher like a TJ Eldon type, the more likely to draft one maybe in the fourth round or something. But I don't know. I, I if, if Josh Howard, Jordan Howard, I'm going to get it right. There's a basketball player named Josh Howard. Um, there is. Or used to be, I guess. Oh, he's still alive. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> we bury people yeah, on the, the point being, I, if he's just an upgrade in the short yardage game, that's going to that's gonna help quite a bit. Even if it's just a few first downs here and there, like that makes a big difference. Yeah, so I think uh, when you look at Josh Howard... Jordan Howard. Jordan. You <laughs> I just did I ruined it. You. you ruined me. I ruined me. you. So if you look at Jordan Howard, oh my God, this oh, podcast man. is getting Howard. away from us. Uh, so when you look at Jordan Howard, he's also a better pass blocker yeah, than that's, Adam. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. So that gives you a little bit of, you know versatility there where you can think maybe they will pass because he can pass block. I think when you look at the roster right now, the two guys that are guaranteed to make this team probably are Howard and Clement. They would never cut Wendell Smallwood. <laughs> yeah, Wendell Smallwood's going to outlive us all. But I think <laughs> Wendell Smallwood. Dealing with him. I think Wendell Smallwood and Josh Adams are liked a lot more than people realize they are internally. How, how he raved about both of them, like without. I mean, he was asked about specifically about Clement and Adams, and he went out of his way to bring up Wendell Smallwood. So. And I'm of the impression Deuce really likes Josh Adams. So. Again, people forget he was their lead back there yeah, for a little bit, like during legit. down the stretch, yeah, like, like in big games. Back. Uh, so I think having those four guys makes a lot of sense. That said, I do think, like you said, they need to bring in some competition. A guy that I really like is Daryl Henderson from Memphis. I think he's perfect for that that role. I think his teammate Tony Pollard, who's basically a bigger Darren Sproles, makes a lot of sense. Reichel Armstead's a guy that keeps popping up in my brain every time I think about this trade because Reichel Armstead's a guy who's got understated speed. He's is a guy he, that can, is he a pass catcher? I really he wasn't at Temple because Temple they didn't really throw the okay. ball a lot, but he looked really good catching the ball at the combine and catching the ball at his pro day. He's got a lot of confidence. He's a local guy. They tend to like drafting local. You can get him in the fifth or sixth round. Right. You know, but you look at Wendell Smallwood's a Delaware guy. Corey Clement's a New Jersey guy. And you gotta keep it in the tri- and, and Josh tri- Adams is a Pennsylvania tri- guy. Tri-state area, yeah. Right, so I think he makes a lot of sense. I'm higher on this running back class than a lot of people are. 
muscle higher on Josh Adams. So, uh, you know, from my perspective, I don't think they had to make this move. I think the move pays off. So from there, let's look at their draft, like how this impacts. Yeah, this changes their, like, let's rank the, what their needs are, I think, because I think it's impacted by this draft. It definitely is. But to get to our overall grade, I think when you look at Howard, Howard's Howard coming here does not stop them from from drafting somebody in the first, second, or third round, in my opinion. I mean, maybe it stops them from going in the first round because they made it a priority, but that day two range, David Montgomery, Daryl Henderson, Miles Sanders, you know, those guys should still be there, and they could be long-term answers. He's only here for one year, you know? I... I already was of the mind that I wasn't 100% convinced they were going to pick a running back in the first two rounds anyway. Um, I could see it if maybe if Josh Jacobs fell, which is, I think, possible, because I think people forget that teams just don't draft running backs high anymore unless you're the Giants. Uh, maybe, the Giants the draft, maybe the Giants will draft them. Uh, yeah. 17 overall. Or whatever. That'd be great. <laughs> I would die. Uh, or Miles Sanders pair up Penn State homies. But... Um, I don't know. I, I see it more as like a, use one of those fourth round picks, or you trade into the third round if one of those guys. Because it's again, it's possible one of those guys you mentioned, Daryl Henderson. You know, he's a little undersized. Maybe he falls to the third round. Right. Um, they they do need a draft. They need to bring someone in. I don't know if it's draft pick or, you know, maybe they just do the undrafted thing again and they hope they grab another guy like that. I don't I don't know how they go about it, but they they don't have an elusive unless you know D- Doug Peterson was pretty happy to say that he he would be happy to have Darren Sproles back again. Uh, he, yeah, I mean, I so don't know. I mean if I don't. You've got sorry, to, sl- sorry to slander Sproles again, yeah. but I don't know. If you're going to do a rotation, you've got to love every aspect of your rotation or it doesn't work. So they love Corey Clement. They love Jordan Howard. They need to get a guy who can be a, a Darren Sproles esque option. That's, a, that's you know my what point. I mean? Yeah, instead of making a Darren Sproles again, find right. a new one. Right, and develop that guy because maybe that guy can eventually be a feature back when, you know, let's say Deuce Staley gets a head coaching job and you decide you want to move away from rotations. Um, so let's talk about the draft needs. You wanted to talk about that. I'm torn between three positions like, at the top. You mean like the first, their first three picks? No, their oh, first three 20. needs. Oh, okay. So like, you could, if you ranked any of these number one, two, or three, I would 150 percent be like, yo, so you're are, right. Are you just purely saying draft needs, or are you saying roster needs? I'm saying roster. Um, roster. Well, draft needs for me. I, I'm projecting the future. They don't have yeah, yeah, any major. Major that, that's, concerns. That's what you, I feel like is an underrated point we should say because they really now that they got Howard, you could technically if they started the season tomorrow, I think they're fine. Yeah, like they have yeah. they have depth concerns. Maybe right guard is an issue if you don't know if Brandon Brandon Brooks wouldn't play tomorrow. Obviously. Right. So you'd start Matt Pryor at that point, and that's a problem. But yeah. they can still sign a veteran offensive lineman, blah blah blah. But they're in really good shape roster wise, like one of the better right. rosters in the NFL. Yeah, they enter the draft having tons of flexibility. So when I you never want to you never want to have to draft for need. Right. And they definitely do not. Yeah. If I'm if I'm looking at their three biggest draft needs, you can't see my quote fingers. <laughs> defensive tackle, defensive end, offensive tackle are yes. the three biggest needs in this draft for them. They need to find the heir apparent for Malik Jackson because we don't know how effective he's going to be in this defense. And they need a better rotation. I like Trayvon Hester. They, they like Trayvon guy, Hester. Yeah. They need they need to upgrade that and feel like they can come out of it good at the defensive tackle, defensive end. If Chris Long retires, what are you going to do? If he doesn't. Right. I mean, you need some added youth there. I like Josh Sweat again, but you, know, you never don't know. know. Yeah. And then offensive tackle. They have put it off for years. Um, He's 37. And some would, some would say that's actually smart because if you look at what, you know, we, I brought it up before. 
where the Cowboys drafted Martellus Bennett to take over Jason Witten and Jason well, never taken he, over for him. Right. And Jason Witten outlasted him career wise. <laughs> yeah, so um I'm really I texted you the other day. Uh, I spoke to him uh, uh, earlier in the week. Dalton Reisner, to me, makes a ton of sense for this. Mike has a man crush on him, guys. I do. This guy can play left tackle, right tackle, right guard, left guard, center. Um, And this is a team that's going to have a lot of movement along the offensive line outside of Isaac Samalu in the next couple of years. Jason Peters is older. Jason Kelsey's Kelsey. contemplated retirement. Isaac Sayamalu's contract is easy to get out of. Brandon Brooks is coming off Achilles surgery. Lane Johnson is one suspension away from hosting a party on on a yacht somewhere while he's serving a 10, 10 year vacation. I don't, I don't know what I'm on that one. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I struggled. Ten year vacation? I, yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, he, he, he's, he's going to prison for he, his next one? No, or? but he, he's going to miss a lot of time on his next suspension if he has one. Hopefully he doesn't. There's just a lot going on there that and a lot of unknowns and you can talk about Jordan Melata until you want all you want you can talk about Matt Pryor all you want those guys have never played in games Haloti not uh, sorry not Haloti oh uh, yeah Big V is not Haloti not a dude not this has been it, we're it's really been a tough ru- name one yeah, we, yeah we've been really rusty at least it wasn't only you this time yeah <laughs> right thanks Big V you know has shown that he can play I would just rather have him as a swing tackle and not the heir apparent to the biggest you know and most important player of the last several years if, if, if Carson Wentz is your investment you need to protect your investment and Big V is not the protection right and so what I like about Dalton Reisner is that he played center as a freshman at Kansas State and you have to make all the calls at center in Bill Snyder's offense when you're center as a you know as a kid like an 18 year old kid and he had he was surrounded by seniors including Cody Whitehair then he became a three year captain at right tackle at Kansas State and just talking to him this guy seems like a really smart guy he's very focused really wants a Philly cheesesteak badly I don't know if he's just playing up but (laughs) he brought it up several times um he makes a lot of sense to me you you look at um if Jaywan Taylor falls, which I don't think is going to happen, yeah. you know, Jonah Williams, there, there are guys in this draft. I mean, Cody Ford, they, there's a lot of offensive line talent there early. I'm not sure where it's at. I haven't watched enough to tell you if there's second or third round guys that are awesome. But I think there will be a run on offensive linemen in the 20s, and I think the Eagles should be part of that. I don't I, – I agree. I think if – but I think it comes down to if one of those elite guys you mentioned are there. I don't, I don't think they're not going to reach for an offensive tackle. Right. They're more likely. To, I actually almost even think they might trade back if they don't have a right. guy there that they love. Mm-hmm. I can also see a trade up, like you mentioned. They're building up all these draft picks for next year. If like Ed Oliver falls, which he probably won't after his pro day right. because he was pretty ridiculous there. But um, my my line of thinking is that they go best player available between defensive end defensive tackle first or trade back and then in the second round you pick up somebody like you know it seems like Titus Howard is a guy they've shown a lot of interest in the pre-draft process small school guy raw prospect was a quarterback and tight end in high school Uh, he's a guy you develop for the future a little more of a question mark than maybe some of those other guys you mentioned but that that's how I kind of see it going. I think they want to get someone who can play this season in the first round. Sure, I, and but I think Reisner can do that because when you we yeah, talk about plays Brooks, right guard, yeah. Um, I also think versatility is the key if you're going to draft an offensive lineman early. They have to be able to play multiple positions. Um, 
Well, Christian Wilkins to me has been the guy. They've been tied to him more than anybody. Well, and he seems to he, to me he's the best fit in my opinion. Like he he is he is the guy. Like if they had the ideal situation, he dropped to twenty five or let's say he dropped to eighteen. And you traded one of the second round pit. Well, or or Azul or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's say you you had to trade up like six spots for him. Like that's that's ideal to me because I think he would be a long term. You could replace Malik in a year or two. Right. And, and Malik... And be a part of the rotation. Like, the, Bo Allen was a third starter, basically, before he left. Right. And and you need to find that third guy. I think they struggled with that. They also struggled from a pass-rushing perspective. Yeah, Malik's going to help from a pass-rushing perspective, but you need as many, you know, tools in your toolbox as possible. And, again... You know, when we look at the defensive end position, I'm not as high on the defensive end position. Once you get to their range, especially, like a lot right. of the guys, I mean, like for Ja'Kai Polite was a guy that maybe would have been an option, but he's had one of the worst pre-draft processes I've ever seen. Yeah, they're, yeah, him and DeAndre. Like Baker. if someone like Brian Burns or something fell further than expected, then maybe he's a guy you'd trade up a little bit for. But yeah, I agree that the edge, it's a, it's like really stacked at the top, and then I think it, there's a pretty big fall off after you get past those guys. Well, and especially when you consider the lack of need for quarterback, so guys are going to take the other most premium position which is defensive end yeah um and yeah so but i i look at this draft and i'm like well the wide receiver class isn't terrific you can wait on a wide receiver uh i was gonna say i I don't know i'm not saying first round but i wouldn't be surprised if they took a receiver earlier than people realize because how he's all about thinking ahead and i'd be it doesn't seem like Nelson Aguilar is going to be here long term. He's going to be a free agent. Deshaun Jackson's 32. Alshon Jeffrey is getting close to 30, and he has a lot of injury stuff and a pretty expensive contract. Like, it, it makes a lot of sense to bring a developmental fourth, fifth guy who doesn't really play this year. Yeah, and that's why I think the second round is the ideal yeah. spot for him, uh, for that player. And I think you have to get back into the third round. The people don't value the third round as much as they probably should, probably based on Andy Reid's draft history, where he basically took a bunch of flyers on guys. I don't know if you remember Brian Smith. If you remember Brian Smith, make a Tony comment. Tony was a third round too, wasn't he? Who, I'm sorry? Tony Hunt? Yes, Tony Hunt was a third rounder. Uh, Daniel Teo Nessheim. Oh, man. That's a tough one. Yeah, like, if you remember some of the... Who's your favorite third round pick from the Andy Reid era? Uh, there was, there was a pass rusher. I'm blanking on his name. He was like a small school guy. Hmm. Uh, I'm blank, I'll, I'll yeah, look. Brian Smith. No, I'm thinking of somebody else. I think it was like Matter. First name was Matters. I don't know. I'll, I'll look it up. <laughs> but keep talking. <laughs> anyway, I'm so... I'm looking up right now. <laughs> so, again, I think the... Eagles need to get back in that third round because I think the second and third round, day two, is going to be a pivotal point for this team, especially when you're projecting long-term future. Um, I do think the Eagles could trade back. I could see them trading up. Linebacker's a need that a lot of people talk about, but I don't really think it's that big of a need. I also don't think they value the position at all. Um, Not at all, but like, I don't think it's a position that they feel is necessary uh, to upgrade in the first or second round. There's guys later on the draft that they can target to compete with, like LJ Fort, who I told you was going to be the top dog at middle linebacker as of now. (laughs) And as of now. Yeah, simulate. Um,. I think they could use some guard help. You look at Matt Pryor. They don't have an experienced guard behind still anyone. Like really high on Matt Pryor. Like, they need to bring somebody in. Well, and you need a backup center, too, yeah, or a guy that could I, ideally play both. I mean, I guess Sayamalu, right, as of right now, would be the guy who would slide over. Yeah, but, but you also then, don't then want... you're replacing Sayamalu. They don't have any other guards. Right. You're bringing Warmack back into the mix. I don't Just know. He's sitting out there. <laughs> but, you know, again, 
tight end is like the only position that I don't think they address just because, oh, we forgot to bring it up. The breaking news, Richard Rodgers, two-year oh. deal. We forgot to do the emergency pod on that. We're really sorry. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I wanna, I, I, there's some great third-round names in here. You saying that. I just wanted – the one I was thinking of, Chris Gokong. Oh, Chris Gokong, yeah. He didn't amount Cal Poly. All right, but some of these third-round names from the Andy Reid era. Curtis Marsh in 2011. Oh, yeah, Curtis Marsh, Utah State. My God, they're so bad at third-round. Daniel Teo and Ashim, how you said, yeah, in Washington. Washington. Uh, R.I.P. No third-round pick in 2009. They went one 2 5 actually. Uh, Brian Smith, the guy you mentioned, from McNeese State. Yeah, which was, like, the most bizarre... He never... He played six games in his NFL career. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> the year before that, Stuart Bradley and Tony Hunt. Stuart Bradley had had some moments. Yeah, he played 76 games, so he's somehow. Chris Gokong. Max Jean Gillis was in the fourth round. Oh, my year. guy. <laughs> I thought Max. he was going to be great. Ryan Motes. He's who I reference when I think of a random Eagles player all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> Arino Mahe is also. I mean, you know who broke the Matt, curse? Matt Ware in 2004. You know who broke the curse, right? Nick Foles. Uh, yeah, Nick yeah, Foles yeah, was third round. He's in that. Billy McMullen in 2003. I don't even remember that guy. Billy McMullen. Fun fact, Hank Baskett. Ryan Westbrook was the last good one before that, too. So Hank Baskett. Uh, Husband of Kendra Wilkinson. Yes, or I don't know if <laughs> or they're still former, together. I don't, I don't know. I saw him out in Arizona once. It was weird. Um, Hank Baskett was oddly, Billy McMullen was traded for Hank Baskett, who at the time was an undrafted free agent. And Hank Baskett became the first player to ever be an undrafted free agent traded for a drafted player that year. Wow. Weird, right? That's weird. But yeah, Brian Westbrook and Derek Burgess were the previous two. So those were the last two like good ones. Yeah, yeah, so basically like they were paying for those was, sins until Nick Foles. It was like a very large sandwich of <laughs> the bread was Derek Burgess, Brian Westbrook, and Nick Foles. And everything <laughs> in the middle is just like gross meat. Sounds like really <laughs> chunky peanut butter. Um, so... But yeah, the point being, third round pick, it seems like the Eagles just like have shunned it for years. Right. But you get Jordan Hicks. You get, uh, you know, guys like Rasool. that. Rasul. He was a comp pick, too. Right. So, again, I think you need to get back in the third round. That was the point that I was trying to make. You're welcome. Um, draft needs, though. Backup quarterback is something that I want to talk to you about in in more in depth in other shows. But I do think, I think you and I are on the same page. I think they need to draft a quarterback. In this draft. Yeah. Anywhere from the fourth to the sixth round. Right. I think yeah. it makes sense. Especially if there's a guy in the fourth, you're like, oh, how is this guy here? Right. We really like a guy like Tyree Jackson is intriguing to me. He's like six foot five, really raw. Um, he went to Buffalo. He's athletic. He's they love those big, big armed quarterbacks. I mean the they had the three three guys who were six six last year. Like that's I don't know if any team's ever had that. Um so he'd be a guy like you it has to be a developmental guy. guy I like Stidham from Stidham uh, is from a good one. Auburn. There's some other like later round guys like Kyle Shermer is even interesting. Um well I mean, you'll you'll probably study a lot of these guys more over these next couple weeks. But yeah, even if they don't draft someone, they'll probably make someone a high priority free agent at minimum. Yeah, I, and and I think again, you know, it sounds kind of boring, but the Eagles don't have a glaring need. I mean, it's just not like Jordan Howard takes away a lot of the sizzle from this draft, really. Yeah, because I mean, everybody, the Josh Josh Jacobs in the first round hype train was like reaching like intense levels, or people, yeah, people who have been adamant they weren't going to pick a running back. Like, yeah, you know, maybe they will. No, I don't know. You know what they could pick now, right? 
What? Cornerback. Uh, fullback, I think. No, that'd be... Oh, I mean, that'd be, <laughs> that would be the old... very bad for... I've been going all in on <laughs> yeah, saying that. really like, Maybe a little too much, I would say, but yeah. I'm, I'm, like, committing to the bit. Yeah, you, you got it. It's going to be the end of me if they pick a cor- Howie, please. <laughs> please. I think safety's the, the spot that's interesting to me. Juan uh, Thornhill's a guy they met with recently. He's, yeah. re- he's really athletic, and he could be a good deep safety type. Yeah, they also seem to like Darnell Savage. I was at his pro day the Tiny other day. Tiny Garner-Johnson, they've been tied to a lot. Yeah. Um... You know, and then Nazir Adderley. Nazir Adderley's a guy Local that's interesting. Guy. Uh, I don't think a lot of those guys. I think there's going to be one safety drafted in the first round. I talked to a, a defensive backs coach. Teams just from, don't value safety that much anymore in general. Right. I mean, I talked to a defensive backs coach from an AFC team who told me that he only thinks there'll be two at most, but he really thinks there's just going to be one. Um, it'll probably be in like the twenty to thirty-two range too. Right. If I had to guess, it'd be Chauncey Gardner Johnson. You think he'd be the the first round? Guy? Yeah, I've been told. Or Jonathan Abram, I could see like the Raiders. Like him or something, right? I've been told pretty that he'll be the guy. pretty convincingly that Adderley will not be a first round pick. Yeah, it seems like his stock's kind of gone to the second round range, if not later. Well, he was running his first forty yard dash at Delaware's pro day and, hurt himself, and, yeah. and hurt himself. And uh, I've talked to some people in the league that said that that might hurt him. Other people have said, you know, the tape speaks for itself. If the Eagles can get him with like the late one of those late fifty picks. Yeah, that'd be a big deal. That'd be a pretty good pick, yeah. Um, I actually think, and I was thinking about this the other day, if you draft a safety that can play nickel, you never have to play third safety again. You just have that guy as the nickel. And I'm wondering if that's something that they have in mind. Like, Gardner Johnson's a a guy that makes a lot of sense as a nickel. Uh, Adderley does. Uh, Darnell Savage. um, Thornhill. Like, all these guys are like scheme fits, but a lot of them can play nickel. And so I'm wondering if you factor in, you know, maybe, you know, Cravon LeBlanc can play more outside and be a backup outside guy if that's your thought process. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it all works out. All right, we'll end it on that note. I'm sure at this time next week, the Eagles will have made some crazy trade or something <laughs> it's always something when you i happen to be like driving home from the phillies game actually i believe when the jordan howard trade happened it's always it's always when you least expect it that's how he does always <laughs> always but on that note thanks again for listening guys make sure you subscribe write a review leave us a comment and uh and, and listen again for next week's episode thanks yeah <laughs>